In exchange for cartridges. He really didn't need to pack his stuff. He, he hadn't unpacked. There'd been no special reason to do so. The only thing he couldn't work out was how to get his machine gun out of the station so it wouldn't be noticed, so it wouldn't attract attention. They were given bulky military 7.62 caliber machine guns and wooden butt butts. BDNKH always sent their caravans to the nearer stations with these bulky guns. Artyom laid there, his head buried in the blanket, not answering Zinya's puzzled questions. Why was he snoozing here when everything was so great at the feast? Was he sick or something? It was hot and humid in the tent, and it was worse under the covers. Sleep was a long time coming, and when he finally went out, his dreams were unsettling and muddled, as though he was seeing them through clouded glass. He was running somewhere. He was talking to some faceless person, and then he was running again. Sonya woke him up, shaking him by the shoulder, and told him to, in a whisper, Listen, Artyom, there's something, some guy here for you. Are you having some trouble? He asked carefully. Why don't I get all the guys up and will? No, it's fine. He just needs to talk to me. Go to sleep. Then I'll be back in a second, Artyom said, quietly pulling his boots. No, quietly pulling on his boots and waiting for Zinya to go back to sleep. He was carefully dragging his rucksack out of the tent and gathering up his machine gun when suddenly Zinya, having heard a metallic clattering, asked again, Now what's happening? Are you sure that everything's okay? Artyom had to get him off of his back by making up a story that he wanted to show the guy a thing or two because they'd argue, argued but everything would be fine. Liar, Zinya said pointedly. Okay, when should I be worried? In a year, Artyom mumbled, hoping that this was inaudible enough, and he moved the tent flap aside and went out onto the platform. Boy, you're slowing us down, Bourbon said through his teeth. He was dressed as before, 
only he had a long rucksack on his back. Fuck you, are you planning to drag that big lump across every cordon with you? He asked disgustingly, pointing at the machine gun. As far as Artyom could tell, Bourbon didn't have a weapon himself. The light at the station was fading. There was no one on the platform. Everyone had gone to sleep, exhausted from the feast. Artyom tried to walk faster, worried all the time that he would bump into someone from his group. But at the entrance of the tunnel, Bourbon trapped him and told him to slow his pace. The the patrolman in the passage noticed them and asked them from afar where they were planning to go in the middle of the night. But Bourbon addressed one of them by name and explained that they had some business to attend to. Listen carefully, he said to Artyom, and turning on his flashlight. Now there'll be guards at the hundredth and the two hundredth meter lines, so you just keep quiet above all. I will figure it out with with them. Shame that you have a Kalish that's as old as my grandma. You won't hide that thing. Where, where, where'd you dig up such a piece of crap? Everything went smoothly at the hundredth meter. There was a small fire dying out and two people were sitting next to it, dressed in camouflage. One of them was snoozing and the second one shook Bourbon's hand like a friend. Business, I see, he said with a mischievous smile. Bourbon didn't say a word before the 250th meter. He just silenced, he just silently marched forward. He seemed sort of angry and unpleasant at Artyom. and Artyom was starting to regret that he'd come with him. He stepped away from Bourbon and checked to see that his machine gun was in order. Then he put his finger on the trigger. There was some delay at the last guard post. Bourbon either didn't know, know them at all, no, know them well, or they, they knew he, him too well. The main guy took him off to the side, putting his rucksack by the fire, and asked him a lot of questions. Artyom, feeling pretty foolish, stayed by the fire and sparingly answered the questions of the duty officer. They were obviously bored and had nothing better to do. Artyom knew 
for himself that if the duty officer was chatty, then everything was fine at the post. If some something strange had happened there recently, if something had crawled out of the depths, or something had tried to break through from the south, or they'd heard a suspicious sound, they would be crowded around the fire silently, saying nothing, tense, and they wouldn't have their eyes off the tunnel. It looked as though everything had been quiet and that they could get at least two prospect myrrh without worry. You're not from around here, I guess. From Alexivskaya or what? The duty officer was trying to elicit information from Artyom and looking at him right in the face. Artyom remembering that Bourbon had ordered him to stay quiet and to talk to no one muttered something that could have been interrupted in several ways that could have been interpreted in several ways leaving the guy to his own interpretation. The duty officer having given up on getting an answer from him turned to his mate and started discussing a story told by some guy called Mikhail who had been trading at Prospect Mur a few days ago and had some trouble with the station's administration. Satisfied that they'd given up on him, Artyom sat at the fire and looked at the southern tunnel through the flames. It looked like the same wide and endless tunnel as they had in the northerly direction at VDNKH, where Artyom had not so long ago sat by a fire for no fire at the 450th meter, meter. By the looks of it, it wasn't different at all, but there was something about it, a particular smell brought up by the tunnel's vents, or was it a particular mood, an aura that belonged only to this tunnel and gave it an individuality, made it dissimilar to all the rest. Artyom remembered his stepfather saying that, that there weren't two tunnels alike in the metro. Sub such super sensitivity had developed over many years of trips and not many had it. His stepfather called it listening to the tunnel and he had such a sense of hearing that he was proud of it and often admitted to Artyom that he had survived many adventures thanks to his this sense. Many others, despite their many travels in the metro, had no such thing. Some people developed unexpe 
unexplicable fear. Some heard sounds, voices, and slowly lost their minds, but everyone agreed on one thing. Even when there was a soul in a tunnel, it was still not empty. Or even when there wasn't a soul in the tunnel, it was still not empty. Something invisible had had almost intangibly, intangible, slowly and viciously dropped onto them, filling them with this being, almost like it was a heavy, cold blood in the veins of a stone leviathan. And now the duty officers conversation was fading into the background as he tried in vain to see something in the darkness that was swift, swiftly thickening about ten paces from the fire. Artyom started to understand what his stepfather meant when he would tell him about the filling of the tunnel. Artyom knew that beyond the indistinct boundary marked by the flames of the fire were crimson light mixed in shivering shadows. There were more people, other people, but in that moment he couldn't quite believe it. It seemed that life stopped ten paces beyond the firelight, and that there was nothing in front of him, only dead, black emptiness that answered a shout with the deception of a dull echo. But if you sit for a while, if you plug your ears, If you don't look into the depths of the tunnel like you're looking for something, but instead you try to dissolve your gaze in the darkness and to merge with the tunnel to become a part of this leviathan, a cell of the organism, then then through your fingers that are closing off the sound of the external world past your auditory organs, a thin melody will flow directly into your brain, an unearthing sound from the depths, indistinct and incomprehensible. It's nothing like that disturbing, urging noise spilling out from the broken pipe in the tunnel between Alexivskaya and Rezskaya. No, it's something different, something clean and deep. It seemed to him that he could dip into the quiet river of this melody for short spells and suddenly he would understand 
the essence of the phenomena. Not using reason, but using an intuition that was probably awakened by that noise from a broken pipe. The flowing sound from the pipe seemed to him the same as either slowly extending along the tunnel, but they had been rotting inside the pipe, infected by something, seething nervously, and they broke out when tension in the pipe became too much and the rotting matter pushed itself out into the world, taking its sorrow with it, imparting nausea and madness to all living things. Suddenly it seemed to Artyom that he was standing on the threshold of an understanding of something important as though the last hour he had spent wandering in the pitch black darkness of the tunnels and in the twilight of his own consciousness had pulled the curtain of his great mystery slightly to the side, separating all rational being from the knowledge of the true nature of this new world which he gnawed into the which was gnawed into the earth's bowels by previous generations. But with this rationalization, Artyom also became scared, as if he had only had a peek through the keyhole of the door, hoping to find out what was behind it, and seeing only an unbearable light punching through it, and singing, and singing, and through it, and singeing the eyes. And if you opened the door, then the light would gush out irrepressibly and incinerate the audacious person who decided to open the forbidden door on the spot. However, this light is knowledge. The whirlwind of all these thoughts, feelings, and worries came whipping through Artyom too, suddenly, and he was, wasn't at all ready for anything like it, and so he recoiled in fright. No, this was all just a fantasy. He hadn't heard anything hadn't realized anything. It was just a game of his imagination, with mixed feelings of relief and disappointment. He observed how, for an instant, an amazing, indescribable vision was revealed to him.
it instantly grew dim, melted, and the mind again was faced with its usual muddy haze. He was afraid of his knowledge and stepped back from it, and now the curtain was lowered again, and perhaps forever. The hurricane in his head died down as quickly as it came, had come, and he was left with a devastating and exhausted mind. Artyom had shaken and sat, trying to understand everything where his fantasy ended and where reality began, wondering if any of these sensations might be real after all. Slowly, slowly, his soul was filled with bitterness at the fact that he had stood a step away from enlightenment, from the most real enlightenment, but he hadn't been resolute. He hadn't dared give himself to the flow of the tunnel's ether. And now he would have, now he would be left to wander in the darkness for his whole life because he was once too afraid of the light of authentic knowledge. But what is knowledge, he asked himself again and again, trying to give value to the thing that he had just refused in a hurry and cowardly manner. Sunk in his thoughts, he didn't notice that he had said these words aloud a few times. Knowledge, my friend, is light. And non-knowledge is darkness, one of the duty water officers explained to him eagerly. Right. He merely winked at his friends. Ardium was dumbstruck and stared at the guy and sat like that for a while until Bourbon returned and got him up and said goodbye to the officers saying that he had been detained and that they were in a hurry. Watch it, the commander of the post said to him threateningly. I'm letting you leave here with a weapon. He waved a hand at Artyom's machine gun, but you won't be coming back through with it. I have clear instructions of that. I told you, you blockhead, Bourbon hissed at Artyom in irritation after they'd hastily walked away from the fire. So you can do what you want on the way back, but you'll get a fire. But I'll get a fire. Or, but you'll get a fire. I don't care. I just know it. I know that this won't happen. Fuck you. Artyom said nothing, almost not hearing Bourbon chiding him. Instead, he suddenly remembered what his stepfather said. That time, 
when he was explaining about the uniqueness of every tunnel, that each one has its own melody and that you can learn to hear it. His stepfather probably wanted simply to express his thought beautifully, but remembering what he felt sitting at the fire moments ago, Artyom thought that he'd heard just such a melody. What he was listening to, really listening to and hearing, was a melody of the tunnel. However, the memory of what happened quickly faded and half an hour later, Artyom could not be sure that it had all really happened and that he hadn't imagined it, that it wasn't air blown about by the playing flames. Okay, you probably don't do it on purpose. You've just got shit for brains, Bourbon said in a consolation. If I'm, like, not very nice to you, I'm sorry. This is stressful work. But okay, seems we got out, so that's good. Now, we have to trudge to Prospect Mer without being stopped. There, there we, we can, and there we can, like, relax. If everything is quiet, then it won't take much time. But beyond that, there's a problem. So, it's okay that we're just walking along like this. I mean, that when we go in a caravan from BDNKH, if there's any less than three people, then we don't leave. You need a rear guard, and basically, Artyom said, booking behind him. Well, there are pauses, of course, to, to going in caravan. But there are pluses. Artyom said, looking behind him. Well, there are pluses, of course, in going in caravans with a rear guard and all that bourbon started to explain. But listen here, there's a concrete minus to that too. I used to be afraid and forgot and forgot three people. We used we used to not go anywhere without at least five people. You think it helped? Doesn't help in, in the least. Once we were moving a cargo, and so we had protection. Two in front, three in the middle, and a rear guard. Everything as it should be. We were going from Tretyakovskaya to what, what's, what's it called? used to be called Marxist Skaya. 
The tunnel was okay, but something about it I didn't like straight away. A certain decaying, and there was a fog. You couldn't see for shit, not five paces ahead, and the flashlights didn't help much. But we decided to tie a rope to the rear guard's belt drawn from the belt of one of the guys in the middle and up to the commander at the head of the group. So on, so on one, so, so, so no one would get lost in the fog. And we're moving at an easy pace and everything's normal, normal, quiet. There, there was no need to rush. We hadn't in, uh, encountered anything yet. Touch wood. And we have about 40 minutes to go. Though we did it faster than that in the end, his words twisted and he went silent for a little while. Somewhere in the middle, this guy, Tolyon, asked the rear guard something, but the guy doesn't answer. Tolyon waited and asked again, nothing. Tolyon then pulls on the rope and the end of it appears. It was bitten right through, really, bitten through, and there's even some, some wet gunk on the end of it. And the guy is nowhere to be seen. And they didn't hear a thing. Nothing at all. And I was walking with Talion myself. He showed me the end of the rope and my knees quaked. Of course, we shouted back at him for the sake of it but didn't hear anything. There wasn't anyone there to answer. So we exchanged glances and went forward so that we were at Marxiskaya at in no no in no time. Maybe the guy was playing a joke, Artyom asked hopefully. A joke? Maybe, but he hasn't been seen since. So there's one thing I've understood. If it's your time, it's your time and no guards going to help you. Only you go a little slower and I go everywhere in a twosome. With a partner, if you like, except in one tunnel from Sakharovskaya to Turgenevskaya, which is a particular station. If something happens, then they'll drag you out and quickly get it. Got it. So they'll let us into Prospect Myrrh. I still have this thing. Artyom pointed to his machine gun. 
they'll let us onto the radio, but to the ring, definitely not. They won't let you in anyway, and with that cannon, you don't have a hope. But we don't need to get in there. We don't need to hang around there for much time anyway. We'll just make a stop and then go on. You. Have you ever been to Prospect Merv? Only when I was little, but otherwise not, Artyom admitted. Well, why don't I get you up to speed then? Basically, there aren't any guard posts there. They don't need them. There's a market there, and no one lives there, so everything is fine. But there's a passage there to the ring, which means to the Hansa. A radial station which doesn't belong to anyone, but the Hansa soldiers patrol it to keep order. Therefore, you have to behave yourself, got it? Or else they'll send you to hell and they'll deny you access to all their stations. So when we get there, you crawl onto the platform and sit quietly. And that samovar uh, that samovar of yours, he nodded at Artyom's machine gun, don't go waving it around. I have a, I have a sort of something out with someone, so you, you'll have to sit and wait. We'll go to uh, Prospect. We'll have a talk about how to get through that damn passage to Sokharovskaya. Bourbon went silent again and Artyom was left to himself. The tunnel wasn't too bad to hear. The ground was a little damp and there was a dark thin stream following the rails, heading in the same direction as they were. But after a while, there was a quiet rus uh, rustle and squeaking sound, which sounded to Artyom like a nail scratching along glass, and it made him wince in aversion. The little beasts weren't visible yet, but their presence could already be felt. Rats, Artyom spat out the, the vile word, feeling a chill pass along his skin. They still visit his nightmares, although his memories of that terrible dark moment when his mother and their entire station were drowned in a flood of rats were almost erased from his memory. Were they actually erased? No, they had just gone deeper, like a needle that wasn't pulled out, but 
gets stuck in the body. It travels around having been pushed in by an insufficiently trained doctor. At first it will hide and stay still but after a while no but after a time un, an unknown force will set it in motion and it, it will make its pernicious way through the arteries and nerve ganglions, ripping up vital organs and dimming its carrier to intolerable torment. The memory of that time of the blind fury and insatiable cruelty of those beasts of the experiences of horror that the still needle left deep in his subconscious only came to disturb Artyom at night. In the mere sight of them, even the vague smell of them created a sort of a electrical discharge in him, forcing his body to shudder in reflex. For Artyom, and for his stepfather, and maybe for the other four who escaped with them on the trolley that day, rats were something much more frightening and loathsome than for the other inhabitants of the metro. There was almost no rats at BDNKH, and were no, there were traps everywhere, and poison had been spread around. So Artyom had become unused, unused to them. But they swarmed through the rest of the metro, and he'd forgotten about that, or rather avoided thinking about it when he had taken the had taken the decision to go on this journey. What's up, boy? You afraid of rats? Bourbon inquired maliciously. Don't like them. You're painful painfully spoiled. But get used to it. They're everywhere. But that's okay. It's it's good even. You won't go hungry, he added and winked at Artyom with a startling and winked at Artyom or and winked while Artyom was starting to feel nauseous. But really, Burbank continued seriously. You're better to be afraid where there's no rats. If there's no rats, then there's been some bad trouble. And if there's no people either, then you want to be afraid. But if the rats are running, then everything's normal, business as usual. Get it? There are people, and there are people, and Artyom definitely didn't want to share his suffering with this guy. 
So he nodded and didn't say anything. There weren't that many rats. They ran away from the light of the flashlight, and you hardly noticed them. But all the same, one of them managed to get underfoot, and Artyom stepped on something soft and slippery, only to hear a shrill squeal. Artyom lost his balance and almost fell face down all with all of his equipment. Don't be afraid, boy. Don't be afraid. Bourbon cheered him up. It gets worse. There's a couple of passages in this shithole teeming with with them and you have to walk on the, the rails and you're walking and crunching them underfoot and he snorted meaning mean meanly for effect. Artyom frowned, he was silent, but but he was squeezing his fist. He would have punched Bourbon right in his gr grinning face with pleasure. Suddenly, an indecipherable indecipherable din came from far off, and Artyom immediately forgot the insult and clasped the handle of his automatic weapon and looked at Bourbon question, questioningly. Don't worry, everything's fine. We're coming up to Prospect. Bourbon reassured him and patted him patron, patronizingly on the shoulder. Even though we'd been no, even though he'd warned Artyom that there was no guard post at Prospect Myrrh, this was all very unusual for Artyom to just go straight into another station without first seeing the weak light of a fire designating the border without any obstacles along the way. When they got to the tunnel's exit, the din got louder and a glow of light became noticeable.